Olivia, thank you so much. Very focused, specific remarks, and I'm sure we'll come back to them in the uh, Q&A session. Our third speaker is Matthew Abraham. Matthew is the Assistant Director of the Tata Cornell Institute, and we're very pleased to have him here to uh, reflect on the India chapter. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rachel. Um, Unraveling India's Malnutrition Dilemma was the chapter that I had co-authored with Prabhu Pingali. And um, I'm going to talk specifically about India's experience in, uh, in, in, in dealing with uh, malnutrition. So what is the dilemma? So if we look at the past couple of decades, in, India has had uh, good success in reducing the number of people living under poverty. But if you look at the malnutrition figures, we haven't made much. Uh, we have made progress, but we haven't made enough. So if you look at the Millennium Development Goals as, uh, as a measure, uh, India came very close to uh, reducing or halving the prevalence of poverty, uh, uh, sorry, of undernutrition. But if you look at the World Food Summit figures, which aimed at reducing the number of people living uh, who are undernourished, we missed the mark by quite a bit. So um, if you look at region-wise figures, we see that South Asia is quite up on, 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 on the graph um, with the highest prevalence of both underweight and stunting. And the Indian figure hovers above the regional average, despite the fact that India has better per capita incomes than its neighbors. It's performed more poorly in terms of uh, dealing with um, undernutrition. So an integral part of the malnutrition story in India is its regional variation. So if you look at this map of uh, you know, prevalence of stunting and underweight uh, among children uh, under the age of five, we can see in the central part in the eastern part of India, uh, which are the poorer states, uh, the performances have been poor. Whereas in the more agriculturally developed and urbanizing states of the south and the northwest, uh, the performances have been better. A similar trend in adult malnutrition. If you look at um, women's um, BMI below normal, uh, normal and overweight or obesity, we can see that the same poorer states uh, have uh, higher prevalences of um, women with uh, below normal BMI. But at the same time, if you look at uh, um, the more developed states and the more, um, um, uh, the more agriculturally developed and urbanizing states, we see a rise in the prevalence of overweight and obesity. And if you superimpose these two maps, we can see a big blotch of red, and that points to a, a major future public health crisis. Now, if you look at the agriculture and nutrition linkages, of course, agricultural production determines availability of food, real cost of food, and the ability to access nutritious and diverse foods. And uh, pro-agricultural growth policies tend to yield better child development indicators. And uh, if you look at the, the more developed states of India, we can see this is true to some extent. However, agriculture policy alone is uh, insufficient uh, because of the multi-dimensional nature of malnutrition in itself. And the disconnect between agriculture and nutrition policy in India is especially jarring. If you look at agricultural policy, um, just taking off from what Olivier said, uh, food policy has been centered uh, on promoting major cereals to meet uh, the population's calorific needs. 
uh, and institutions have been developed in order to support this particular goal, especially in terms of price support, direct procurement, especially for wheat and rice. Uh, what this has also done is it's crowded out nutrient-rich coarse grains and pulses. So if you look at the graph over here, we can see that the per capita availability of cereals has remained kind of constant despite population growth. But if you look at the availability of pulses, it's been on a downward trend. And uh, this is largely because the area under pulses cultivation hasn't gone up, yields of pulses hasn't increased. At the same time, despite the fact that there is a rise in per capita incomes and uh, the demand for higher value um, agricultural products, especially fruits and vegetables, dairy and meat, have gone up, this hasn't translated as opportunities to a small farm dominated agricultural sector. And this is a lot to do with poorly developed market infrastructure, high transaction costs, which uh, does not incentivize uh, um, uh, diversification. In terms of nutrition policy and safety nets, uh, major policy drives to address this problem of malnutrition has taken the shape of missions and projects. But more uh, significantly, it's the food-based assistance programs that has been dominant in, in this area. The public distribution system, the integrated child development scheme, what is it referred to as the ICDS, the midday meal schemes. Uh, these have targeted uh, you know, children under the age of six and children going to school or lact uh, lactating and expecting mothers through supplementation programs, et cetera. The chapter goes into detail about uh, you know, the impacts of these schemes in particular, uh, but uh, it's, the nutritional outcomes of these programs have largely been unclear. You know, and with reference to the midday meal schemes, we have evidence that it increased school enrollment, but in terms of nutritional outcomes, we're still unclear about what that is. Newer strategies have come up, the National Food Security Act of 2013, uh, the National uh, Nutrition Strategies, which is trying to give a boost, uh, you know, uh, a shot in the arm to some of the food-based assistance program has been in place. However, the larger problem here is uh, that, you know, a nutrition-sensitive agricultural sector needs to have um, a collaboration or the aims of um, the agricultural policy and the nutrition policy needs to speak to each other. There has to be some sort of convergence. And this was primarily because nutrition status is shaped by individual behavior as well as household access to diverse foods. And uh, as um, agricultural policy enables um, um, rising income and improved access, we also need uh, positive nutrition behavior change, gender and empowerment, knowledge dissemination uh, that will impact nutrition at the individual level, along with um, investments in infrastructure to improve uh, water sanitation and health. Uh, which could potentially reduce the disease burden and improve nutritional status. So to sum up, uh, there is a need to refocus food policy to be more nutrition sensitive. A multi-dimensional approach needs to be taken and we need to leverage agriculture to tackle uh, malnutrition. A uh, renewed focus on agriculture with an emphasis on diversification is really important towards more nutritious food. Um, a crop-neutral uh, agricultural policy in, in order to rectify some of the imbalances uh, uh, in production and marketing, but also a gender-sensitive uh, approach to nutrition policy is essential here. Um, there is a need to focus on the eastern part of India, and especially the poorer regions, uh, and connecting smallholders to markets is very essential to um, incentivize production. 
although the National Nutrition Strategy and the National Food Security Act are very good initiatives, there is still a need for a lot more coordination in these um, programs. And in future, when we're looking to greater challenges of uh, climate change, we also need to think about in-kind food programs and cash transfer schemes in order to combat the future challenges that uh, India is going to be faced with. Thank you.